0: hello and welcome to another episode of the left unread podcast as always I am your host Evan joined by my co-host cam cam what's going on man
1: not much not much just uh we were just talking about my camera doesn't work so Evan doesn't know how I look <clears throat> and I said I look really cool today yeah so it's too bad that he can't see but I guess honestly now he's in the same boat as the rest of you guys because true well yeah. I think we've tried to keep ourselves sort of anonymous and hopefully you don't know what we look like So, <laughs> uh, i mean i've
0: posted pictures of myself to my twitter account but really yeah oh not me
1: yeah well it's not like you use twitter so no it would be <laughs> it wouldn't probably be too hard to figure it out but yeah anyhow uh <laughs> so hello 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 we're here yes we are here once again doing, doing left unread uh back to back three weeks well no two weeks in a row i lied <laughs> two weeks <laughs> in a row is pretty good though yep. we're off to a good start this year yep
0: yeah so um uh we're going to be here once again to talk about some ancient mysteries a series that i started uh last year uh when i thought that it would be a short series <laughs> and that has proven to uh not be the case and definitely will not be the case um but yeah, uh, before we dig into that, is there
1: anything that you would like to uh, talk about? You got any banter? Any... I mean, no. I also feel like when you call it banter, it, like, it's it's not, you know? I mean, it's... it's. But I don't have anything... What? I don't have any... I'm just saying, like, you know, I feel like banter happens spontaneously. You can't plan banter. But, um, no, I don't have anything specific. Uh, you wrote here that you want to talk about the playlist, which is true. Oh, yeah. true.
0: Yeah, so um, we've had some people reach out asking what songs we use in our episodes. So we created a Spotify playlist, which should have just about all of the tracks. I know we can find a few of them, but um, that we've used throughout the uh, the podcast and we'll be adding to it every week. So if you would like to check that out, um, I will uh, repost it again on Twitter, but I posted it a few weeks ago. And maybe we can just toss like a link to it or something like that in the show
1: notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, so it's no. it's it's officially up to date and yeah uh it is yeah it's it's period accurate and all the music is from the time periods of the episodes and it's all synced up uh and 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 we have the licenses for all of them so it's no problem yeah um well we don't make money so it doesn't matter yeah we don't need to get licensed yeah i know i was just (laughs) kidding but uh yeah, it's good. The, the playlist is full of lots of good stuff. And if you've ever wondered, you know, what the songs are from a given episode, um, like for example, last week I did all thrash metal, and yep, you know, if you want to know what any of those songs are, they're on there. Yep, there you go. And then whatever Evan picks this week, that'll go on there. Uh, yep, it will. Doesn't exist yet, but it will. Yep, I haven't thought about that yet. Yep, that's okay. And hey, that's okay. <laughs> first things One first. One step at a time, right? Yeah, bud? Don't put the cart before the horse.
0: Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah. So we have that, and uh, I guess if you don't have anything else, then uh, I guess we can just dig right into it.
1: Yeah. No, I've got nothing. I didn't come in. I, I, I haven't even. I don't know what's going on in the world this week. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Uh, I've got. Uh, We're I've recording got this on now. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That's yep. that's it. It's a, yeah, it's MLK Day, which is exciting. Okay. Yep. Great. Happy MLK Day, everybody. Um, all right.
0: So yeah, I guess then let's uh, start the show. One of these days, we should just have it be us do that.
1: Today could be that day. Although <laughs> I don't feel prepared, I feel like we could. Yeah. I feel like we could. We could give that at least thirty seconds of like <laughs> rehearsal time beforehand and do a really good job. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that
1: song's on the playlist. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's the first one. <laughs> it's right on there. If you're wondering no, if a, you can it's listen a little bit to different our than the version, we use though. That's uh, that's the album version. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Our version has been edited. Uh, yes. By interesting times gang himself Uh, yeah by friend of the pod ian um but you can find the full unedited version on our playlist and a bunch of his other music is on there too yes yep um
0: yeah from like a bunch of his bands um Mm -hmm. anyway yeah so today we are doing part four of ancient mysteries so i started this series uh last year uh, and I, I remember in the first one I said that it would be a short series, probably like three episodes. Uh right now it's probably gonna end up being seven to nine. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. The uh yeah. Uh, I was uh talking to That's other like almost
1: that's like that's like half of that's like a quarter of your yearly output or or more. <laughs> like it's if you good. do if you do five more episodes of it this this year, yeah. That's like that's like a third or a quarter of the episodes you'll be doing
0: yeah for the whole year there's there's a lot there's a lot I want to cover Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but uh you know that it was funny too I was talking to other friend of the pod Jimmy about this uh, because he's doing some stuff for a program to chill about um like the the order of the golden dawn sure and um it was funny the other day we were talking about that and then lo and behold one of the books that I'm using today (laughs) i i was reading the back so like jimmy had said to me you know that when he was like studying the the golden dawn society that he really got the feeling that it was um like uh uh you know like sort of this like new age revival of uh like mystery cults Mm -hmm. and um so one of the books that i'm using today here is the little uh uh the little blurb about the author Payam Nabars, a Persian-born Sufi and practicing dervish, holds a PhD from Oxford University and is carrying out postdoctoral research there on genetics and cancer. He is a druid in the grove of the Order of the Bards, Ovids, and Druids, a member of the Golden Dawn, Society, uh, the Golden Dawn <laughs> Occult Society, and a revivalist of the Temple of Mithras.
1: He lives in England. Is he a whirling dervish?
0: Uh, I don't know what that means.
1: So, okay, so now it's an expression that you would use to describe anything that's kind of like spinning around, but whirling dervishes were like a sect of dervish, you you know what dervishes are, right? Uh, Actually, I do not know. They're, like, esoteric uh, Sufi mystics who um, take, like, certain vows of, like, uh, poverty and live, like, a sort of a monastic-type lifestyle, whatever. But there was a a group So even more mystical than Sufis. They're just... Yeah, they're just a sect of Sufis, but um, there's uh, a specific movement or was i don't know if they still exist that's why i asked yeah. uh, who thought that just like standing in place and like spinning around really rapidly like a bunch uh-huh. uh, you would get really lightheaded, and it was like a form of meditation it would like help you like achieve like a certain degree of enlightenment um if you <laughs> just stood there and fucking spun around and i think they must still exist because you can look them up and they have like a specific kind of—I uh, don't want to say costume and like belittle it—but a certain kind of dress that they wear yeah. that like whirls around as they whirl around. And you, uh, I'm surprised you never heard of that. Um, I mean, I've
0: heard the phrase "whirling dervish," but I never really knew what it meant.
1: Yeah, no, they're—I'll uh, I'll see if if I can find you a uh, a little video here or, or yeah. a picture. Uh, and yeah, they're they're uh, they're really—they look badass. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I just sent you a picture of of some Turkish whirling dervishes uh, whirling. Okay. All right, let's check this out.
0: Yeah. Sorry, listener, I guess you can... Hey, at this time, you can uh, take out your own phones and look it
1: up. Yeah, this would be a great time for you guys to look up a whirling dervish. Oh, wow. Yeah, see? I like the outfit. They have cool hats. Yep. Whirling dervish. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, anyway... Yep. Uh, don't so know anyway, if he's a whirling dervish, but he's a dervish. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So um. So anyway, for today's episode, um, I will be using the sources Walter Burkert's Ancient Mystery Cults, mm-hmm. uh, which I've used for the first three, Franz Cumont's uh, The Mysteries of Mithra, and the guy that I just said Payam Navar's uh, his The Mysteries of Mithras, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a little bit of stuff from t- t- Tertullian.org. Um, which was a uh, something I used to go on a lot in college.
1: Uh, what is tertullian.org?
0: It's kind of like Livius. Do you remember Livius? No. Livius dot org.
1: No. Nope. You don't remember? What? Did what did well, we use it for?
0: Um, a particular professor. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah,
1: I know. I I can already tell you who it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, he would just have like a lot of like short readings and stuff like that on there. It's like a really good uh, academic source for ancient stuff
1: hell yeah i wasn't really giving it my all in college i'll be honest with you so i don't uh uh, i don't remember
0: yeah yeah i mean you know i wasn't the best student in college either although you kind of cleaned it up by the end there but
1: yeah the end i was doing well but the first half really dragged me down yeah anyway that's neither here nor there that's why we're not professors we're just hobbyists making a wonderful podcast we're amateurs yeah amateurs (laughs)
0: <laughs> Amateurs. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, uh, so let's get into uh, let's get into it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So Aristotle is said to have stated that the final stage of a mystery should not be learning that has ended, but rather experience a change in the state of mind. Uh, so Dio Prusa would echo this statement: if one would bring a man, Greek or barbarian, for initiation into a mystic recess. "...overwhelming by its beauty and size, so that he would behold many mystic views and hear many sounds of the kind, with darkness and light appearing in sudden changes and other innumerable things happening, and even as they do in the so-called enthronement ceremony, they have the initiates sit down and they dance around them. If all this were happening, would it be possible that such a man should experience just nothing in his soul?" that he should not come to surmise that there's some wiser insight and plan and all that is going on even if he came from the utmost barbary i i i kind of really just like that description where it's like oh yeah if you sit down and people dance around you how are you not supposed to right feel yeah, something? Like <laughs> if, you bring, if
1: you bring somebody into like a, a crazy room with flashing yeah. lights and weird shit happening how are they not going to be impacted by it yeah yeah exactly which um. you know <laughs> legit that's that's yeah yeah that's why churches are always so goddamn cool inside Yeah,
0: yeah, for real. Uh, Yeah, you know, say what you will about the church. They went hard as fuck with uh, stained glass. Yeah. That shit rules. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. Um, So as Burkert states, uh, in religious terms, mysteries provide an immediate encounter with the divine. Marcus Aurelius claimed that mysteries existed between dream visions and miraculous healing as a form reaffirming the existence of the gods. A Rator description of their experience at Eleusis once said, I came out of the mystery hall feeling like a stranger to myself.
1: This just sounds like doing drugs. Yeah, well, hey, we're going to get into that. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, so really, uh, so uh, as I'm starting off this episode, really what I want to get into, which is just this divine experience at the heart of the mysteries. So, you know, in episode one, we kind of went over the, what the anatomy of a cult is, and we went over the Greek mysteries. In episode two, we went over um, how the cult functioned within community, and uh, we went over some of the uh, the Eastern mysteries. Part three, we kind of got into some mysticism, uh, some uh, theologia, and uh, the first part of our uh, exploration of the cult of Mithras. In this one, you know, it's just... Trying to synthesize all that together into the divine experience at the heart of all of this, what right. all of these uh, previous parts, uh, what what comes together here at the end. So the experience of those involved in the mysteries and its gap with pure observation is unbridgeable, as Dio also said. Servants of the mysteries who outside at the doors adorn the porches and the altars set in public, but never get indoors. They will perceive some of the things inside, be it that one mystic word just cried out, or that fire is seen above the walls. But servants are not mysti, and we cannot view these rituals as they happened. We can only infer. Mm. Who can tell what the experience would be like after days of fasting, purification, exhaustion, apprehension, and excitement? These ceremonies created altered states, and they took advantage of the change in perception of the adherents.
1: That's sort of like us. I mean... Mm -hmm. I think there have been times when I've been listening to you do this series where I've felt very much like a servant outside the walls, you know, maybe I've seen a little fire. Maybe I've heard a sacred word, but I'm often left wondering, okay, how how do people take this seriously? And that's because I wasn't there getting my brain all fucked up and staying up for days and, you know, maybe eating weird mushrooms or reading sacred texts i don't know
0: drinking strange barley water concoctions
1: yeah man sipping sipping of a strange brew yeah a strange a and deadly brew
0: <clears> oh <throat> yeah and so you know one thing that will forever stump anyone looking back on these mysteries we will likely never know uh, truly uh we will likely never truly know the correct interpretations of scenes and rituals in the mysteries <laughs> even things that seem more <clears throat> clear <laughs> such as the dionysian rites that involved Just erect- so
1: everyone's clear, Evan wrote in that throat clear into the script. The little yeah. throat clear he just did. Yep. It's in there.
0: Yes, correct.
1: <laughs> uh, such
0: as the Dionysian rites that involved the erect phallus being presented within the wicker leak known are not entirely clear. Depending on who was presenting the phallus and to <laughs> whom, uh, was this a puberty ritual or a sexual ritual? Also in Dionysian Rites, you have the flagellation scenes of humiliation, followed by the frantic dance of final bliss. What is the relationship between these two? Uh, oh, between these two, and is one happening immediately before the other indicative of a particular interpretation? As we discussed in the previous episode, the Mithraic cults would have an exceptionally complex and sophisticated set of rituals owing to its seven grades of initiates. The Raven, the Chrysalis, the Soldier, the Lion, the Persian, the Sunrunner, and the Father, but so little is known about these actual rituals. Uh, Mercea Eliade, who may or may not appear later in this series, but certainly will in future episodes of mine, wrote in his work called either Rites and Symbols of Initiation or Birth and Rebirth, depending on the edition, that mysteries were initiation ceremonies in essence and therefore should conform to a pattern of birth and rebirth. And this uh, and is why, in particular, Mithras is a
1: cult overcoming death.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised neither you or I have really gotten into much, Macea Eliade. Did you read him in college too, right?
1: I did with... Uh Yeah, yeah, that one class. Um, The French guy. The the sacred and profane.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did the sacred and the the profane, the myth of the eternal return. Uh, This one, um,
1: uh, Birth and Rebirth. But yeah, yeah, it's stuffs really heady. uh, It is, and I would like to maybe revisit it at some point. Uh, Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where I, I do a lot of my reading, especially reading that's not for this show yeah uh, kind of like before bed and so i can't i can't get into anything too intense because i always just fall asleep yeah, yeah like yeah. no matter what i'm reading like i've got i'm on a timer you yeah, know? yeah. so Michella Marchea eliadi would have to be like active reading and i just i don't do a lot of that these days unless it's for this show I guess, <laughs> I guess i could read this for the show but this is like kind of your area and i yeah. like to go into this as a listener i don't i don't research for your episodes fuck that you know yeah Yep. <laughs> I'm not trying to do any work for your shit. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Like, You won't fucking catch me
0: reading about the Aztecs right no, now.
1: Man. <laughs> no, man.
0: Um, no. But yeah, no, because uh, he also has some, he's done work on like shamanism and stuff like that. That so mm-hmm. would be cool to get into. But I digress. Uh, <clears throat> so, of course, it's not just in the mysteries of Mithras that we see birth, death, and rebirth but also in the rituals of isis and osiris and then the mother goddess this is a common theme throughout the mysteries the mysteries of Eleusis obviously deal with death and rebirth in the form of the changing of the seasons and crop cycles but that is not the only interpretation as there is also the paradox of life in death so i, I mm-hmm. <laughs> play here q mashuga and death is life
1: uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, is that is that in death is life, or is that in death? No, yeah, that's in death. Yeah, that's in death is life. yeah that's a cool one yeah i don't love that album i know like people love that album but it's not my favorite one yeah that's my favorite mashuga album it would be you always like you always like something weird your favorite album by a band is always some weird shit why is that one weird no i don't know i think a lot of people like that one it's just like it's it's nobody's favorite mashuga album you know what i I mean that's what i mean it's like i know other people whose
0: whose favorite album by them it is
1: you're you're just a contrarian is my point
0: i i literally know other people who that's their favorite album who
1: I'm not gonna say their name. That's a cop out because you know I could just edit it out. Okay, fine. Uh, no, the I'm just guy. Kidding, You don't have to say it. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, now now that we're done with that stupid little aside of yours, <laughs> there is uh, there is also the Roman Bacchanalia that potentially had a much darker interpretation of death, with people carried into subterranean caves by machines for ritual murder as an accusation in livy
1: states wait really they would kill people at bacchanalia
0: <sighs> yeah at like certain certain uh roman bacchanalian rites, uh livy uh asserts that uh people were carried into subterranean caverns and just killed
1: and when you say by machines like what does that like what does that mean well, you know, like like one of those like ancient like Greek or Roman machines, you
0: know, they yeah, would like have on, like, like a
1: system of pulleys or something. Is that what yeah, like, exactly like, be yeah, lowered yeah. into like a cavern or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it doesn't mean like a robot, but like yeah, I know. Although that would be sweet.
0: Yeah, if there was like some dwarven so construct.
1: Like, yeah, right. Exactly. I was thinking <laughs> exactly of like the um, Skyrim type. Uh, yeah. Dwarven guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, while there are some parallels through these rebirth narratives to Christian doctrine, uh, for much of these parallels, the connection is superficial. There is ritual washing and submersion in rivers and other bodies of water in some mysteries, but these are not like baptism proper in Christianity. The uh, The death and rebirth is also nowhere near as deep as in Christian rebirth. The baptae priests of the Thracian goddess Cotito and <laughs> Corinth... <laughs> could have performed some entirely different ritual in their baptisms than what was done by Christian Baptists. The water receptacles in cults of Isis sanctuaries were used to represent the flooding of the Nile, for instance. Not for rebirth, even though the cult has rebirth rituals concerning Osiris. Hmm. We will dive deeper into rituals of torture and humiliation soon as we discuss Mithraic mysteries. But suffice it to say that this is a long-standing practice seen throughout time and the uh the entire planet in aboriginal ceremonies in australia all the way to hazing ceremonies at universities most especially in american universities uh yeah you can,
1: dude just stripping each other butt naked and uh, doing yeah. shit to each other's butts hell yep. yeah <laughs> yep. hey listen yep. pal you want to be in kappa gamma delta yeah. you better show me that booty yeah
0: you're butt chugging this entire bottle of rose <laughs> listen <laughs> pal <laughs> this this Burnett's
1: ain't gonna butt chug itself yeah <laughs> yeah um
0: yeah so obviously yeah He met, well yeah i'm not gonna rephrase everything that we just said because i wrote it down but we just uh off the cuff said it yeah just uh stripping naked in fraternal organizations
1: oh. <laughs> what i said oh i didn't i didn't even read ahead <laughs> read yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I was like, what is he talking about? Oh, yeah, no, there's butt-chugging in the notes. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, literally, uh, yep. Uh, that was right there. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, hurting, yeah, you would hurt the new recruits as they're sworn into organization. There's the butt-chugging incidents from years ago. Whom's <laughs> could forget?
1: <laughs> I just wonder, right, like, because obviously nobody's going to butt-chug, like, a whole bottle of anything. <laughs> <laughs> what are they d- <laughs> Cause once it goes, once it goes into somebody's butt, yeah. I mean, you nobody know else wants to drink out of it. Would you- oh, maybe they used a. Funnel. I think yeah, I think they used funnels. <laughs> but are they like cleaning the
0: funnels? that University of Tennessee dumbass who butt chugged. I think an entire uh, bag of Franzia, a uh, rosé or something like that, oh and gosh. just like passed out and like shit (laughs) rosé like rosé diarrhea all over the
1: place yeah man yeah oh my god um even can you imagine of all things to butt chug you butt chug fucking rosé regular chugging a a bag of franzia makes you probably have diarrhea i can't imagine what doing it from your booty does
0: yeah it gives me a horrendous heartburn so yeah. does this give you butt burn like you know do you I'm do saying? that a
1: lot you, you chug a whole bottle a bottle of fran- a whole bag of franzia i haven't done when that we since were younger
0: college. when we were younger we certainly yeah did.
1: you know what i used to love was the Slap carlo the rossi bag. the jug wine yeah and i used to pretend that honestly this is an honest admission here okay um yeah. so full disclosure folks i have a tempestuous relationship with alcohol <laughs> and uh and that's probably as much info as you'll ever get on this show but When we were kids, I used to drink a ton of fucking Carlo Rossi. Yeah, dude, we used to chug that shit. The jug stuff. And I would literally justify, like, sitting, drinking, like, cup after cup of shitty red (laughs) wine. Because I'd be like, well, you know, the ancient Greeks would do it. (laughs) Like, that was literally it. I was like, yeah, what if I was, like, one of Alexander the Great's generals? They would drink this much wine. Yeah. And but instead, I was just like alone in my room playing Skyrim and failing out of class. Like, <laughs> was, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the Carlo Rossi days. Absolutely, dude. I used to drink so much of that fucking shit. Oh my god, yeah. And it would just like it would change the color of your poop <laughs> because yeah. of how red it
0: was. Yeah, yeah, dude. I remember. Um, this was like one of the first times. I think this may have been the first time I met you. You had just recently drunk uh, Carlo Rossi and spilled a bunch on your pants. And so you just had this, like, big, like, red wine stain, and you're like, I actually kind of lo-
1: like the way it looks, so I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I think the first time I ever hung out with you guys was when I got in that, like, verbal altercation with, like, that chick in the hallway of your dorm. That, I, I don't think that was the first time, um, but that was... Uh, that was maybe no, the first time we, like, drank together, but I think that first time that we hung out, I just came over to, like, play guitar. Yeah, I mean, we did get drunk, but... Oh. <laughs> I
0: remember somebody uh, inexplicably pissed in our friend's bureau? Yeah,
1: that's right. That was the fir- that was so that was the first time.
0: Yeah, that was the first time.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Nope. Yep. Yeah, he did, <laughs> he did that shit. Yeah, it, it, there was a piss drawer. Yeah, he <laughs> like so unintentionally. Can you can you incorporate? Um maybe it wouldn't fit, but you know that picture? And this part doesn't have to be on air, but you know that picture of the little kid in a Batman costume? Oh yeah, the piss drawer? And it's like mom found the piss drawer and yeah. tried to blame it on the dog. <laughs> 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 yep. Oh my god. Okay. If you can put the crying piss kid in there, I would be happy. Okay, happening. yeah. Yeah, I can I can incorporate the piss baby. You don't have to put the piss, but definitely the crying kid.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, anyway. Alright, so Um, where were we? Butt chugging. Great. All right. So really, it is with the Mithraic cults that we see rituals that conform more strongly with religious rituals around the world than any of the other mystery cults. This can include human sacrifice, but also strange ceremonies used to taunt and humiliate new initiates through blindfolding them, sometimes binding their hands with chicken guts. And having beasts like lions chained up in the cavern roaring in order to scare the initiates. Jesus. There was, a, yeah, <laughs> that's fucked. Um, yeah,
1: dude, I would not like it if I showed up. If you were like, oh, Cam, come over, we're going to have this cool, like, party in the basement, and I showed up and there was like a fucking badger chained up in the corner just screaming, I wouldn't <laughs> care for that at all. That would and be- I have
0: some, I have some, hired some harrispecs to mutilate a chicken and bind your hands with its yeah, guts. Yeah, with his,
1: with his innards, oh yeah. my god, that would be scary, let alone yeah. a lion, even just like a, like a, like an upset dog, I would <laughs> be <laughs> very uncomfortable, so this sounds, yeah. this sounds really odd. Yeah.
0: Um... There is a mithram in Chriegel, Germany, that was found with a ceremonial sword used to represent a man stabbed to the heart with a spear. These kinds of humiliating and painful experiences are conspicuously absent in many of the other mysteries. Of course, there were other psychologically stressful rituals in, other, in the other mysteries, such as branding and tattooing on top of flagellation. Mm. Uh, I really like how much flagellation just constantly comes up throughout history yeah we should bring it back
1: yeah i there are times when i feel like i deserve a good flag flagellating yeah yeah when i deserve to be flagellated i also just remember learning about learning in biology when i was a kid learning about the flagellum and thinking that word in general is fantastic even when it's not applied to like a little cat of nine tails yeah but yeah it would be cool to it would be cool to whip your own back yep yeah just take out big chunks with hooks
0: yeah yeah we should do yeah we'll start doing that when we hang out um yeah
1: any right like anytime one of us like fucks up there's like a faux pas yeah okay well
0: yep you know (laughs) yep uh one over each shoulder all right so another aspect of the mysteries that pervaded all of them
1: orgia or unbelievably orgies
2: (laughs) fuck yeah Uh, but they weren't
1: always what we think of right what's that were orgies always, like, literally just, like, group sex? or Isn't there, like, yes. more to it than that? Oh, uh, well, I'm talking about group sex. Okay. Oh, so we're talking straight up about, like... Fucking and sucking. Yeah, like a slippery, like a big slippery pile yeah. of people.
0: Yep. Yeah, getting yourself lathered up with oil and anointing your phallus. Mm-hmm. Um You don't yep. know who
1: you're in or who's in you. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, yeah, it sounds pretty dope.
0: Yeah. Literally, it's just that scene from uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking that,
1: more of, like, Always Sunny. Have you seen when they go to they go to an orgy? And Frank is, like, immediately, like, goes right for the snack table. And <laughs> they're, like, eating. And he's, like, I don't – I forget. I think he takes Charlie. And Charlie's, like, I don't want to eat here. This looks horrible. Yeah. Anyway, never mind.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so uh, – oh, wait. I think I have seen the episode. Um, sorry, I was looking at uh, something ahead. Uh, so I wasn't quite listening to what you said. But I do think I've seen that episode. Uh, so Diodorus claims that the god Priapos Ityphalos, a minor Greek deity of fertility, fruit, livestock, gardens, and well, referred to his name Ithiphalos for the other, was present in nearly all the mysteries. Uh, so I do suggest everyone Google Priapos Ithiphalos to see a picture of this John Holmes-looking ass pervert. Yeah, and is that
1: the? He's like a he's like a a fawn with like a huge cock, right? Scroll to the next page. Is there a picture? Oh hell yeah.
0: Look at how big that Yeah, thing it's is. on a scale. Yeah. Oh.
1: Hell
0: yeah, dude, yeah. that thing's down to his knees. He's not a fawn though. No. No, he's just a weird bronze looking tripod. Um so, Diagoras claims that his presence was one of laughter and constituted a playful mood. Dionysian festivals always contained a procession with a massive phallus. Mm -hmm. In contrast, however, Livy claims that Bacchanalia in 186 BCE contained Anishians suffering homosexual rape. Hmm. Uh, This could be slander, but all the same it is recorded by Livy during the particularly prude period of Augustine rule, and so should not be ruled out. In the Mithraic cults, sex intimacy does not play a major role as it is suppressed by warlord virility. But there are still depictions of the dying bull's genitals, including semen collection, a scorpion grabbing the testicles, and the tail turning into ears of grain. Hmm. <clears throat> Another potential agent in the mysteries, drugs. We love them, don't we, folks? <laughs> we love drinking and we love drugging. Uh, it's been surmised that an ingredient in the Kikion, uh, which is the Bali water drink from the Eleusinian mystery... Uh, that an ingredient known as Penny Royal may have been mildly hallucinogenic.
1: Oh, like, and that is that what they're talking about when in that Penny Royal tea, that uh, Nirvana song? I don't know. I thought it was a brand of tea, but maybe it's a... Yeah, it's probably just... Making tea out of Penny Royal.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, an old friend of the purr... Uh, <laughs> of the purr... An old friend, friend of the purr... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an old friend of the pod, Ergot. Uh, which we discussed quite heavily in episode 35, the cursed bread of Pont Saint Esprit, uh, was also potentially used in the ceremony. Ergot, of course, being a precursor to LSD, which is water soluble and could be extracted, along with ergonovine, in small amounts using rudimentary techniques from ergot. Uh, there's also the use of mushrooms and potentially opium in some hmm. ceremonies.
3: All right in the The sun shall defeat The beating their heart
0: even begin to describe the abject horror I would feel if I was dosed with a bun with like LSD and then had my wrists tied with chicken guts, be blindfolded and then i start hearing lion screams from caverns below me i
1: mean i'll be honest with you my last mushrooms experience was kind of that except instead of lions it was like a 120 pound german shepherd barking (laughs) in my face and it did (laughs) fuck with me yeah you threw up (laughs) i got so have you ever been so confused you vomited listener (laughs) but uh that that was um that that was a mushrooms though that was uh lsd okay whatever so (laughs) it was so weird Oh yeah, yeah. right cuz that doesn't usually make you sick and it literally I got so confused yeah. that I threw up and I look over to my friend Evan, the, my co-host of this podcast, your yeah. dear your dear your dear host Evan. Yeah. And I said, "Hey man, your dog's really freaking me out. Can you uh, can you get him out of here?" And he just started laughing like a fucking freak, and was just like, <laughs> "No," <laughs> and just like <laughs> laid on the couch and just let me suffer. And so then I left the Dude, room. My brains were melting out of my this ears. This is all hypothetical, by the way. Evan and I don't uh, do drugs, but if we did, it would have been like this. Yeah, we we. If
0: we did drugs, the new book from Cam yeah. and Evan. If we there about we did hypothetical them. stories of
1: all the times that we've yeah. done drugs. So theoretically, as as satire, uh, yeah. I went into the other room. Mm-hmm. And I had to close the door to keep the dog out. But he was like shuffling around at the door, like scratching at the door. It was freaking me out, man. <laughs> and uh, I had to, literally, there was like a shag carpet in there because yeah. it was your roommate's office. And I had yeah. to take my pants off, not naked, just in my my boxer briefs, <laughs> and wrap myself in a in a blanket. And so then I'm like laying down, and I look up, and the light fixture on the ceiling turns into like a, like some sort of evil like giant tiki mask, and spiders are like streaming out of its eyes. And I'm just like, okay, I think this is a, just a bad trip. I th- I've heard about this, like I think yeah. that's what it is. And so I turned down and I started just looking at the carpet and the little <laughs> strands of the shag carpet were like little people and yeah. they started acting out scenes from Star Wars. Um, what was the second one? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And so I'm seeing like, I'm envisioning the lightsaber battle with Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, but it's little fibers of a, of a carpet instead <laughs> of people. Yeah. Um, and that sort of chilled me out. And then the second half of it was pretty cool. And then we watched Gondahar. Yeah. For the first time. And then we watched it again for the again, second yeah, time. Again, yeah.
0: We, 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 it was so good the first time. We were just like... We watched
1: the whole movie, and as soon as it ended, I was like, I don't think I I I don't think I remember a second of that. I don't think... A, like, I sat there and raptured, watched the whole thing, and was like, I don't think I retained a, an instant of that movie. Yeah. We watched the whole thing a second time. It was yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in yeah. a way, we've been initiated into our own secret cult, the cult of Left Unread. We've been yeah. forged in fire. The cult of Gondahar. Uh, or, again, as satire, we yeah. theoretically would have been... Yeah. If we indulged in things like drugs, which are bad.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude, that was, that was, uh, hypothetically speaking, that was a fucked night.
1: Yeah, as a joke, it was, it was really fucked up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude, I, uh, um, if I had done that, uh, that acid (laughs) that time, I definitely would have just been, as you were having your, like, floor experience, I was literally just laying with my head like on the arm of the couch laughing for about four hours straight
1: yeah i'm glad it sounds like you were having the time of your life
0: (laughs) dude it was so (laughs) although
1: i will say can we do another brief aside because i feel like that story doesn't do you justice because (sighs) the time that i think i think in my mind the time that our friendship was really like cemented (laughs) yeah was a time that you were very cool to me and yeah, it was also on on drugs hypothetically.
0: Yeah, mushrooms that time.
1: Yeah, we were taken out into. This is true. We were taken yeah. out. This is also kind of like part of our cultic initiation. We yeah. were brought out into the woods, a place that we'd never been. Uh, it was uh, like I a- had been there once. Been there but you didn't time. know, like, your way there. Yeah, we no, followed I got, a friend, like... Not in the dark and not on mushrooms, Yeah, bro. like a mile. We took a bunch of mushrooms. They were given to us. We were basically dosed by yeah. a friend who we now, in they hindsight... They amount. It was, like, way more than an eighth. It was a of lot. Those. It was a lot of mushrooms. And yeah. <laughs> in hindsight, this person was, like, having some sort of psychotic break. And, you yeah. know, I suspect potentially like wished us harm which is bizarre but it yeah this like was literally the movie, last time i saw him yeah 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 he showed yeah. up at my house once when i wasn't there yeah and uh and that was also freaky but,
0: uh, but so i should say that this was a guy that i was friends with for like years and years yeah. and years yeah and i had known him
1: <laughs> at this point for at least two or three years three, yeah like maybe maybe a year and a half two years um through you know multiple friends yeah. and so we he's like you want to do some some mushrooms or he would have you know if we had yeah. did that sort of thing it yep. was like you want some mushrooms and we'll go out he had this little spot it was like on the beach but yeah, it was it's about like woods. a mile
0: and a half maybe two mile hike through the woods yeah and um, so we, maybe not even two yeah maybe no, like no, a no, mile. maybe mile maybe, a maybe a mile it was maybe yeah. a
1: mile yeah and so he brings us out there there's a little campfire some t- chairs set up we had like a six pack of beer and we're coming up on mushrooms, and, and his, like, girlfriend was there. And then he's like, oh, like, I forgot. I don't even remember. He's like, I got to go get her some food or something. I'll be back. And we're yeah. like, okay. So he, like, leaves us. And we're sitting there, and the stars are out. It's a nice night. It was, like, late summer. So it was, like, cool but not cold. And we're, like, sitting there. <clears throat> the waves are lapping. Uh, but, it's you know, it's getting dark, and the fire's starting to die. And so um, I, eventually, at, at a certain point, I just remember, like, starting to to realize, like, okay, it's been a while since he left, and I don't really know where we are. Like, I don't know how we got here. And I look at Evan, and I was like, hey, uh, is, like, is he coming back? And Evan was like, yeah, I don't I don't want to freak you out, but uh, no, I don't think he is. I <laughs> yeah. think he ditched us. Like, at, th- at this point, I already knew the... Yeah, learning. you, like, figured it out, and then you were like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to, like, alarm you, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure he brought us out here, like, and got us high and left us on purpose. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And you were like, it's cool, though. Like, we'll just get some firewood, and we'll ride it out. And, like, we're both here, and we're both going through it, and we're going to be fine. And you didn't share with me that you were, at the time, worried that he was going to, like, try to, like, ambush us or something. (laughs) But... (laughs) you didn't tell me that which i thank you for and he yeah. didn't uh because here we are making left unread in 2023 yeah and so we had to like go through like the dark ass woods collecting firewood meanwhile like at this point just tripping sack dude.
0: dude i was tripping so hard that like i couldn't even tell if i was standing up or laying down at points yeah like the yeah. ground looked like it was like inches from my face
1: so so we laid there, we kept the fire going, and we laid there, and I remember looking up at the sky, and the stars were, like, zipping around, like, yeah. going absolutely bonkers, like, all over the place. And I was like, well, okay, whatever, Evan's here, like, and we'll just ride this out. Like, we could see the lights of the town, like, across the little bay, so I knew we weren't that far from civilization. I was like, once once we're okay, we'll just walk back and try to find the car and get out of here. And so we rode it out for, like, probably, like, four or five hours, yeah i mean
0: you have we to because like
1: so what happens is like we get to a point where like all right let's see if
0: we can walk back and we're walking down the beach and i knew uh sort of where the path would be but we're like walking back forth and can't figure out i'm like all right let's just sit on the beach until we sober up and then i should be able to find it and so we sat there for like a few hours just like on the beach tripping our minds out and then like once we were pretty sober um it turns out that i had gotten i was like 50 feet from the path so we, yeah. the path was like right near us so we're like okay cool now we can make it home and then we drive back to my uh back to my place and i remember just laying down on the couch and being like all right now i can freak out
1: <laughs> like didn't damn, we that didn't we sit and play didn't you boot up oblivion Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. And that might have been another time. Spoiler yeah. We didn't do drugs a bunch of times. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I think it was the same time. You booted up Oblivion and literally weren't even playing the game. You would just walk up to plants, look yeah. down at them, and then s- tilt the stick so you were just doing circles around, like, plants on the ground uh, Yeah, for, for, like, a half an hour, Evan was doing No, that. no, no. This,
0: I think that's the first time we tripped together. Uh, right? Because uh, that was on campus that day. Mm. and yeah we were just like spinning around in that because like by the time we got home
1: i was pretty oh yeah you weren't living on campus anymore at the time that this happened i don't think yeah it was before we lived together anyway whatever that was a little aside but that after that moment i feel like i was like well you know evan's my boy like we got through that together (laughs) and uh for better or worse despite our like demented dynamic like he's been one of my best friends since that day and uh so. I mean, you you were becoming that before that, but I think of that in my mind as, like, the moment that, like, I knew that you were, like, a solid dude. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Sorry. Let's get back to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll trim anyway, all that so. down. I'll trim all that down.
0: No, no. That's fine. You can leave it. Um. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, we've uh, been initiates into our own mystery before. Yeah. Um, the cult of
1: LU. Yeah. You too. can join.
0: Yep. So, um another uh, major aspect of the mysteries was something we still see to this day in religious holidays feasting and drinking breaking bread and sharing wine is a time-honored tradition in religious ceremonies and festivals and is seen at the heart of um, of many if not all mysteries from roasts and cake and bacchanalia to the kikion mm. at elusis and even the ceremonies of raw meat eating in particular dionysian festivals There is even evidence of cannibalism in some mysteries, although how prevalent is difficult to say due to anti-pagan sentiments in Christian writings. This is also a form of death and rebirth, The, the ritual killing of an animal and its consumption by the adherent being, quite literally, giving life by dying. We even see in Mithraism the bull's tail turning into grain, potentially representing man's life, transitioning from hunting big game to agriculture. Uh, the mysteries themselves had many functions in ancient society but in totality when looking at them it is plainly evident that there is nothing there for them to function as true religions like li- like we would see popping up shortly and that even were already formed judaism while well, these cults were thriving these cults serve many functions as evident so far in the series i would contend that they served functions much in the same way that we see secret societies throughout history into the modern world today serve these same functions And it is in this way that I would like to spend the remainder of the series looking at ancient cults and rituals from prehistory through to the modern world. So, without further ado, let's really dive into the cult of Mithras. So, I'd like to read an invocation to Mithra uh, from from an Avestan invocation. Mithra, the lord of vast green pastures, we do praise. To first celestial god our voices raise. Before the sun shines from hilltops indeed, the everlasting sun Mithra will proceed. It is the first being with ornaments of gold, that from mountain tops the earth does behold. And from there the powerful Mithra will watch the abode of the magi calm and still. So, ooh, uh, so in episode 3 of the Mystery Cult series, we briefly touched on Mithras towards the end by discussing the initiation levels, there being 7 total, of the Mithraic cults, and we looked at some of the depictions within the Mithraeum of Rome. I should also say that, at the time, uh, yeah, I guess I already did this at the top of the episode, I believe this part, part 4, would be the last episode of the series, and mentioned this at the end of the episode. Turns out I was lying, folks. Uh, my pants are currently on fire. <laughs> um, you, I do
1: think you said that you might go further, though. I feel yeah. I feel like you did.
0: Maybe, yeah. Uh, uh, um, you know, at one time, uh, I even said that this would be a short series. Uh, my bad. However, seeing as these episodes are all quite popular, it seems like you are all enjoying them and would like more, so more you shall get. So now let's get and to it. And even if you
1: don't like them, fuck You're you. You're still going to get them. You're going to get them. You're going to take your goddamn medicine. Yeah pod daddy is gonna feed you what he wants and you're gonna like it that's evan yeah evan's pod daddy
0: yeah yep that's me (laughs) 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 uh yes indeedly doodly doodly. Uh, (laughs) so uh mitras as a god has origins in both persia and india and you can see vedic mitra as well as the athranian oh, iranian mitra who is invoked alongside heaven with the name of Varuna, or even sometimes Ahura. Ahura Mazda being oh, yeah, the name yeah. of the supreme Zoroastrian being as well. Mm-hmm. Mithras was worshipped in the region from the times of Babylonia and Acadia, all the way until the conversion of the, uh, the region to Islam. Mithras, in this tradition, is seen as a god of light and truth, created by Ahura Mazda, and sometimes invoked as being near to him in glory. It is when kind of Zoroastrianism sort of becomes monotheistic, that Mithras was downgraded to, like, an archangel or something. Uh, Because, you know, so, like, the Persian uh, religion, it was polytheistic, but eventually Ahura Mazda, like, came out on top as, like, a, a monotheistic being.
1: Yeah, Zoroastrianism has actually been something that I it's on my list of things I want to do. I want to talk about Zoroaster but yeah, um on this show because it's interesting and there's there's it's sort of one of the very first like I mean, I guess Judaism existed first, but ancient Judaism is very different than modern uh, Judaism. Well,
0: Nabaris also says um that uh there's some uh depending on when you place it that Uh, zoroastrianism as a monotheistic religion
1: depending on when it could actually predate judaism that's well that's what i was just gonna say like judaism has existed as a religion for a long time but what people don't realize is that judaism was also polytheistic initially yeah and uh you know like god had a wife like a lot of people don't realize that (laughs) um there was there was she god and stuff so uh yeah the transition to, to this is one of the first like what i would describe as like abrahamic it, it wasn't an abrahamic religion but it was yeah. it had basically all the hallmarks that were later either influenced by or influenced yeah judaism's shift in the same direction and it's tough to tell which came first it's a very yeah. chicken and egg situation but um it's one of the first like modern monotheistic religions in a sense that people would really like understand today with like you know supreme <sighs> deity but then like the angels and like the sort of anti-deity even though it's monotheistic, there's like a devil figure, and I don't yep. know, it was very, very interesting. Anyway.
0: Yes. Um. Yeah, no, yeah, that'd be awesome if you do that episode. Uh. So Mithras occupied a large part of the official Persian cult, with the seventh month dedicated to him, and copious libations drunk in his honor at this festival. He was famous, even in ancient Greece, the only Iranian god to have such a standing. Mithras can be likened to the Babylonian god Shamash, with their chariots racing across the sky. Those who give arms and victory to warriors and protect kings. Of course, eventually the kingdom of Darius or Darius, however you'd like to pronounce it, uh, would collapse under the march east of Alexander the Great. However, Mazdaism and the worship of Mithras would find a new home with the Diadachi, who were the successors of Alexander. Under the gate uh, the great king and his satraps, the worship of Mithras would continue and spread across the Hellenistic world. These dyadochi would greatly revere Mithras, evidenced in how often the name Mithridates, also sometimes spelled with an I in the middle, appears in their families. Mithridates VI Eupator would be a famous opponent of Rome. Uh, Taking after the great Persian kings Artaxerxes and Darius, Mithras would remain the manifestation of monarchical victory. After the collapse of the persian kingdom the tribes and peoples of asia minor and ancient greece began to syncretize in a way that really can be thought of as roman in a single melting pot all of the cults and customs of the people merged into something new combining the philosophies of greece with the theologies of asia so the, the, this obviously was a what rome was really good at um, yeah, yeah. Uh, during this period of syncretism there was some conflict with other cults in the region the worshippers of Mithras held true to doctrine and engaged in something more like religious rituals than the orgies involved in celebrations of Dionysius and Kybal or Kabali. Uh, Eventually the ancient myths of Mithras would find its way into the pre-Socratic teachings of Zeno and his disciples, and the liturgies began to be used in their cosmology, and this harmonized well with the uh with the quote pretensions and interest of the Mazdian clergy, as Franz Kimot put it. Mazdaism and Mithraism would persist well into the fourth century C.E. owing to the conservatism that would become so prevalent of the Magi of Mithras. Saint Basil claims that Mazdaism would persist into the late fourth century. There is even evidence of texts that would have survived up until this time. So again, you know, I've talked before about how these ancient mysteries—they didn't really have texts. There is some evidence that there were texts from mm-hmm. Mithraism.
1: Right. So, yeah, this is definitely like a cool one because it seems like it's sort of bridging that gap between like mystery cult yeah. and like true full on religion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um. So, Mithraism uh, would also prove to be a wholly different type of mystery than the other secret societies that we have looked at. I'm going to be right back. I got to blow my nose.
1: Heck yeah, blow it up, dog. all right sorry about that (laughs) don't be brother (laughs) i'd like you to have a dry and clear nasal cavity thank you it's important
0: all right so now i will read from
2: franz kumalt's book
0: the greek name of mysteries which writers have applied to this religion should not mislead us the adepts of mithraism did not imitate The Hellenic cults and the organization of their secret societies, the esoteric doctrine of which was made known only after a succession of graduated initiations. In Persia itself, the Magi constituted an exclusive caste, which appears to have been subdivided into several subordinate classes. And those of them who took up their abode in the midst of foreign nations, different in language and manners were still more jealous in concealing their hereditary faith from the profane. The knowledge of their arcana gave them a lofty consciousness of their moral superiority and ensured their prestige over the ignorant populations that surrounded them. It is probable that the Mazdian priesthood, in Asia Minor as in Persia, was primitively the hereditary attribute of a tribe, in which it was handed down from father to son, that afterwards its incumbents consented, after appropriate ceremonies of initiation, to uh, communicate its secret dogmas to strangers and that these uh, 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 proselytes were then gradually admitted to all the different ceremonies of the cult. The uh, The Iranian diaspora is comparable in this respect, as in many others with that of the Jews. Usage soon distinguished between the different classes of neophytes, ultimately culminating in the establishment of a fixed hierarchy. But the complete revelation of the sacred beliefs and practices was always reserved for the privileged few. In this mystic knowledge appeared to increase in excellence in proportion as it became more occult. All the original rites that characterized the Mithraic cult of the Romans unquestionably go back to Asiatic origins. The animal disguises used in certain ceremonies are a survival of a very widely diffused prehistoric custom, which still survives in our day. The practice of consecrating mountain caves to the god is undoubtedly a heritage of the time when temples were not yet constructed. The cruel tests imposed on the initiated were called the bloody mutilations that the servitors of Ma and of Cybil uh, perpetrated. Similarly, the legends of, of which Mithra is the hero cannot have been invented save in a pastoral epic. These antique traditions of a primitive and crude civilization subsist in the mysteries by the side of a subtle theology and a lofty system of ethics. Uh, I really like in this one like this kind of like goes with you to what you're saying Cam, about this being like a bridge between like the mystery cults and religions proper uh the part about um it being handed down hereditarily like the father would generally um uh, initiate or you know in some way bring his son into the fold as well mm-hmm. you know that's not really something you see in the other mysteries but yeah that's kind of uh, indicative of this being a sort of transition
1: right yeah it's a, yeah it's interesting it's very yeah. interesting um the way that it kind of bridges that uh, that ideological gap
0: yeah let's get into Mithraism and Rome
1: that's my shit I love Rome yeah
0: yeah we love Rome don't we folks that's
1: right we are two pr- Roma we are big fucking Roma boos. I think that's yeah. our biggest cross-pollination
0: yeah we are the and we're also the only two ethical Roma uh everybody else that's a Roma is some weird fascist
1: I mean yeah I, I would hope that we're not even close to the only two but I just <laughs> want everyone to know, I know. that we are like we got no runes tattooed on us, or, or you know, it sucks. Is back in the day, I wanted to get yeah, a... Yeah. Uh, a yeah, yeah, not yeah, just we'll not go. just that that too, but I also loved the idea of uh, getting a a fasces a yeah. tattooed on me, and then literally was like, oh yeah, that's literally the root of the term fascism. Yeah. All right. Well, even if it's it's not also currently um, uh, is it is it currently a symbol for any like fascist groups? I'm not sure.
0: It's uh for for those of you at home. Uh, listening, the faces or the fasces uh, was like a uh, an axe wrapped in a bundle of sticks. And it was the, uh, they would be carried by uh, Roman lictors who were the bodyguards of uh, magistrates. And it was a symbol of authority, mm. basically. It's also the basis of one of my favorite jokes, which uh, I had told to a, a buddy of mine uh, whose older brother is a professor of Latin. Uh, and he speaks fluent Latin, teaches at uni. And when I told my buddy this joke, he he said that he sent it to his brother, and then his brother immediately had like a group chat with like a bunch of other like Latin speakers, and sent it, and they all said it was like one of the funniest fucking jokes they've ever heard. Uh, it's that's always
1: a good sign that it's it's funny. <laughs> <you have> to <laughs> well, present. I just like, I, I, I told the like, guy who uh, that it was, and he said it was super good. So here we go.
0: Yeah. Uh, two lictors walk into a bar. Bartender says, "Why the long faces?" <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i get it that's pretty
0: good <laughs> it is pretty good yeah i wish i came up with it i did not so but, it's pronounced
1: faces i always say uh, fasques f- or fasques. Fosques and fasces because of fascism n-
0: well that would be like more italian so it's faces in anglicized latin and faskies in uh classical hmm.
1: um
0: okay cool yeah <clears throat> so It was during the expansion of the Roman Empire under the Caesars that the mysteries of Mithras would find their way into the Empire. As Rome continued to annex lands to the east, north of Greece, and across into Asia Minor, so too did Mithras find his way into the Empire during the Flavian dynasty, and it further developed under the Nervan Antonine and the Severan dynasties. For context, this is during the 1st and 2nd centuries CE. For more on the Flavians, you can check out episode 47 about the reign of Titus Flavius Domitianus. Uh, Plutarch actually claims that Mithras found its way into the Eternal City by Cilician pirates conquered by Pompey, but whether this is true or not is impossible to tell. Franz Cumont states in his book that this is possible, but that the mysteries were likely very minor, with few adherents at this time, and could just as easily have been lost in the shuffle as not existed in Rome yet. Uh, the spreading of Mithras through Rome was greatly aided by the Roman legions that were stationed far to the eastern border of the empire most especially in Commagene, which was a sort of buffer state between Rome, Parthia, Syria and Armenia. It was a very small kingdom. Uh, it was here with these isolated legions that Mithras began to take hold and would spread throughout the eastern legions and find its way back to the city. So I'm going to read from Cumalt again. <clears throat> The Roman soldier was, as a rule, pious and even superstitious. The many perils to which he was exposed caused him to seek unremittingly the protection of heaven, and an incalculable number of dedicatory inscriptions bears witness both to the vivacity of his faith and to the variety of his beliefs. The Orientals, especially transported for 20 years or more into countries which were totally strange to them, piously preserved the memories of their national divinities. And whenever the opportunity offered, they did not fail to assemble from the purpose of rendering them devotion. Uh, Brief aside here, this book was written in 1903. That's why he's using the word Oriental. Mm. Um, uh, So they had experienced... uh, Does it back to Kimball? They had experienced the need of conciliating the great lord Baal, whose anger as little children they had learned to fear. Their worship also offered an occasion for reunion, and for recalling to memory unto the gloomy climates of the north their distant country. But their brotherhoods were not exclusive. They gladly admitted to their rights those of their companions in arms of whatever origin whose aspirations the official religion of the army failed to satisfy and who hoped to obtain from the foreign god more efficacious succor in their combats, or in case of death, a happier lot in the life to come. Afterwards, these neophytes, transferred to other garrisons according to the exigencies of the service or the necessities of war, from converts became converters, and formed about them a new nucleus of proselytes. In this manner, the Mysteries of Mithra, first brought to Europe by semi-barbarian recruits from Cappadocia or Akomagini, were rapidly disseminated to the utmost confines of the ancient world.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Semi barbarian. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. There's. Uh, yeah, you can tell this dude from. <laughs> was. Yeah, but
1: he may or may not have espoused some weird race science, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He may have been pulling out calipers. What's up with
0: this uh, little note you added to uh, my? <laughs> I
1: don't know what you're talking about, dude. I okay. Yeah. So. Um.
0: All right. Just continuing my notes here penis 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 pubis pubis, pubis provis pizza pustule porno poopy penis lol i don't remember writing that
1: yeah weird that you did though <laughs> yeah you must be oh. some kind of brainlet some kind yeah. of real idiot
0: <laughs> yeah some kind of sick perverted individual
1: <laughs> i mean you even wrote lol at the end like you thought that was funny yeah only a fucking moron <laughs> would laugh at something. egg on stupid. my face <laughs> like, only a fucking total idiot would think something like that was funny
0: all right, um. So, suffice it to say, it was through a series of cities and encampments featuring legionary detachments, aided in large part by the Legio Fifteen Apollinaris, that Mithraism would spread from these eastern provinces and regions. D- why are you doing that? What? <laughs> what are you doing? Stop talking, doing-
1: dude. Nothing. I didn't do anything.
0: Okay. The Mithraism would spread from these eastern provinces and regions to the west, up into central Europe, Gaul, Germania, and modern-day Austria, and down all the way into Africa. If you want a very long, multi-paged, and detailed description of exactly which legions and which cities were the hot spots from which it spread, you can read Franz Cumont's The Mysteries of Mithra. He extensively recreates the path, but that would make for boring podcasting and made for quite dry reading. So again, suffice to say, the legion spread it like butt cheeks. <laughs> how
1: did they? How did they spread it? <laughs> like, like butt cheeks. Okay, don't worry. That's my last one. Okay, <laughs> my last edit to your notes. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. very, uh, very good. Uh, but I, I feel like spread it like butt cheeks really hammers at home. They really, yeah, they you really should you should get
0: a job as an editor. Yeah, uh, honestly editor.
1: good point. Yeah, maybe that's what I should look into.
0: Yeah all right so but seriously uh, (laughs) dot com or something (laughs) um so uh, i'm not kidding either this goes for pages and pages q uh extensive descriptions of which legions were stationed in certain places and how they spread uh the cult of mithras like i don't even understand how
1: historians are it's so whenever you hear people say like oh fucking, I hate history, history's boring, whatever. First of all, big L take, right? Because yeah. it's the story of everything that ever happened. And if you don't find something in there to be interested in, yeah. I don't know, you're a moron. But yeah. um, it's always been really interesting to me because they do have a point when, when people like this guy make it so fucking dry and <laughs> so fucking boring. And yeah. they take something as interesting as this and just like turn it into like a list of you know legions and play i don't know anyway you get yeah my
0: point. i mean yeah it's i mean I, it's yeah you know, i can see why it likes in a scholarly uh fashion why you would want to recreate that but i mean
1: yeah it doesn't um, make for exciting reading yeah for sure but um, if you guys want to want that yeah and evan does evan yeah. mainlines that shit
0: yeah even at this point though it was like towards the end i'm like oh for fuck's sake uh, all right so it would be in germany that the majority of Mithraeums, at least by 1903 when the book was written, uh, Franz Cumont, uh, excuse me, were discovered. And Cumont even goes on to say that no god of paganism ever found so many enthusiastic devotees in Germany as Mithras. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to hit him with a uh, X doubt on that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great game.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a very good game, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I I saw that, and I kind of was like, I feel like Odin may have been bigger.
1: Yeah, I feel like he <laughs> probably had left a bigger footprint. Yeah,
0: yeah. But um, anyway, um. Kimon says it's Mithras. Uh I disagree. Uh, it was through Germany that Mithras would find his way into Roman Britannia by the middle of the second century CE. Although his warship would never really spread outside of the fortified areas in the south and west, and along Hadrian's Wall in the far north of the territory. That was used to keep the Caledonians and Picts from advancing south from modern Scotland into Roman Britannia. Oh, yeah. But in this way, the Asiatic god would find refuge in this exotic island to the far north and west of the Roman world. Uh, it's really just funny to think that at one point in time, Britain
1: was exotic. I know. <laughs> now it's just like the land of meat and bread. Yeah. And ale. And bread meat. Yeah. Yeah i mean they have some they have some good beers there but uh
0: never been but i'm not sure i can get down on the whole drinking room temperature beer it's
1: nobody they don't drink room temperature beer it's just not like ice cold like us it's like cellar cellar temperature which realistically well i guess it's
0: probably it's probably pretty chilly down there in the cellars. it's it's cool they keep it cool
1: they don't keep it like frosty like you know when you go get like a fucking ice cold miller light like that's and realistically that is too cold. I mean, for a beer like that it doesn't really matter cuz it doesn't taste like anything, but like yeah. You you know, if you're trying to taste anything, beer, wine, whatever, it shouldn't be like I super like cold duper drinks. Cold.
0: I like my drinks very cold.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean and that's totally fine. I mean, there are yeah. people that like to put ice cubes in their red wine. Fucking go for it. Live your life. But, yeah. like, if you're an establishment that's serving things, I think you yeah. should take into account, like, the, the ideal temperature for flavor and appreciation, Yeah, you know? And if somebody wants a frosted mug, then by all means.
0: Yep. All right, so, um, Mithras never really got a huge foothold south of the Mediterranean. However, in what ways he did spread in the African provinces was due to the centurions and various officers of the legions, as opposed to the simple foot soldiers, many of whom held to their local Berber and Punic gods. It was the officers called to the region by service rather than locally raised who brought the god from the eastern and Danubian provinces. It would be in Hispania that the cult found the least support, uh, while having some small following in Lusitania and Hispania Tarraconensis. In the northern regions of modern-day Asturias and Galicia, the cult held virtually no sway whatsoever. Despite this vast peninsula being home to a massive population in many cities, Mithras never found much power there. Hmm. Uh, the cult did not only spread through the legions however as the Roman Empire coalesced under the Julio-Claudians and the Flavians the cult began to spread through Syrian merchants as trade and commerce was at least in part protected by the burgeoning empire merchants and slaves as adherents of the cult would spread it throughout the port cities and then into the inland cities through the trade Uh, so again if you would like even more information on the exact mode of dispersal through merchants and slave trade I again recommend Kimon's book as he, much like the spread of Mithras <laughs> through the Roman legions, goes into incredibly painstaking detail, city by city, province by province, of Mithras' spread through the avenue, which I will now not recount for you, dear listener, in such painstaking detail. Suffice it to say, Mithras spread those butt cheeks.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't add that there. Evan's just being a good sport now, and I appreciate yeah. it
0: yeah uh in the northern germanic provinces the cult uh, the cult also spread through slaves but this time as functionaries of the imperial bureaucracy as the for lack of a better term roman state itself took control of these territories slaves were funneled in from the mediterranean to help administer the provinces and these slaves like the ones that spread in the south through trade and mercantilism also spread mithras into the countryside in the north of the empire as evidence of these combined uh, spreads of Mithras, we see the absence of Mithram or Mithraic iconography, in the parts of the empire that lacked permanent legionary defense forces, such as Hispania, southern and western Gaul, and Bithynia and Galatia in Asia Minor, and also Greece with its strong national identity. This spread of Mithras as a cult, wherein slaves were initiated, and clearly held power evidenced by their ability to spread the cult, is really something unique with Mithras. In inscriptions to Mithras, you can see how a slave could be brought and work upon in this state and spread the cult to his master, could be bought and work upon in this state and spread the cult to his master, and even hold power over his master as a higher rank of initiate in the cult. This is something you do not see, at least not with anything near the same frequency in the other cults. Um, So, there was some persecution of mystery cults during the Roman Principate, Mm -hmm. that is, the transition from the Roman Republic to the Empire. Uh, the Principate, for those not in the know, that is the first stage of the Roman kind of like Im, uh, imperial projects. Uh, right. The later emperors would uh, rule during what's called the dominant. Um, so Mithras did not suffer quite the same fate as, say, the cult of Isis did. Mithras, perhaps owing to its propagation later than other cults, even found favor with certain emperors such as Nero. And uh, as we'll get into a little bit, Commodus as well. I would also like to say that you will often see Mithras invoked as Sol Invictus, an epithet meaning the unconquered sun, and Mithras himself is a god often invoked along with the sun, although calling him a sun god is not quite right, especially in his Roman era. Sol Invictus itself would be an epithet used for multiple gods over the years, but Mithras is not the god that would become the Sol Invictus of the official Roman state religion prior to Christianity. He was kind of like... He was Soul Invictus before Soul Invictus was thought of its own god, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, you call it like, oh, uh, uh, was it like? I forget. Whatever. Um, but like, you would see Mithras invoked with like Soul Invictus as a uh, as like a title, right? Um, yeah. Um, in this first century CE and into the second. While there was not official Roman imperial support of the cult, there certainly was a favorable view upon it, which is evidenced by how prevalent the cult was in both the legions and the imperial bureaucracy of Rome, and had some favor with the emperors. Commodus, the last of the Nervan Antonine emperors, was inducted to the cult and participated in the secret rituals. The cult's favor with the emperors were continue into the Severan dynasty, Aurelian would officially make Sol Invictus the Roman state religion, and seeing as Mithras was regarded by many as identical to the god of the newly official religion, he had likely looked favorably on Mithras as well. The last Roman pagan emperor, Julian the Apostate, was an ardent practitioner of Mithras as well. Yep. And we love Julian, don't we folks? We sure do. Hold on. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, uh, where it? Okay. One of the lasting legacies of the Roman Republic was in its law and almost secular nature. Cam talked a bit about this in the Julius Caesar series, but Rome really is the basis in law of much of the uh, of much of the modern world. Rome also always looked at religion in a very realpolitik way. Worship who you want, but bend the will to Rome. It was with the Caesars that we saw a transition from this. Although the Principate would have the Caesars be the first magistrate of Rome, eventually by the dominant, the Caesars would become Dominus et deus, Lord and God. This was also a lasting influence of Eastern customs coming to Rome. Eastern rulers, Egyptian or even Persian with the proscenesis, saw rulers as something more than man but also divine. Once Commodus openly worshipped Mithras, we see a transition of the Caesars as a representative of the gods, pious towards them, Felix, or happy and lucky because of their grace, and as the manifestation of their ability, or invincibility. Again, the Invictus, Soul Invictus. Mm-hmm. The Caesars were divine as they were a passing incarnation of the sun, descended from the firmament into which they will return like Mithras upon Helios' chariot. It was through this conception that we would see the Christian doctrine of the divine right of kings unfold. So yeah, there you go. That's Mithras in the Roman Empire. Fuck and yeah. uh, for the next episode, I will get much more deeper into the uh, theology and and rituals and whatnot associated with Mithras. But I can officially say that you have all been initiated as Corvi now.
1: Hell yeah! Me yep. too.
0: You're a Corvi. Nice. A
1: and I am, of course,
0: your Potter.
1: Am I a Corvus?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're a Corvus. You're one of the Corvus. Doesn't that mean crow? Yeah. Oh. That's uh, the first rank.
1: I'm a crow. What does it go from there? Oh, uh, I know we've been through them, but I don't remember them. Yeah. Um.
0: Yes. So the seven grades are uh, Corax or Corvus, uh, Nymphus, Miles, Leo, Perseus, Heliodromus, and Potter. So that's
1: um yeah. I like Heliodromus. I know it's second in command, but I like it. Yeah, it's a way yeah. better. It's way better than Potter.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway,
1: yeah. Uh, but you are anything. officially Pod Daddy if you're the Potter. Yep.
0: You're yeah, I am the Potter. Potter. Pod yes.
1: Potter. Yep. Potter right. <laughs>
0: Yes. But yeah. So anyway, uh, excellent. Ne- for the next episode, we we will get much deeper into the rites and rituals of Mithraism.
1: I like it. I like it mm-hmm. a lot.
0: Yep. Well but, uh, then uh but you've got the next episode next week, so I do,
1: yeah. And I you know what? I've uh it's I've started preliminary work on a couple different things and mm-hmm. both of them are gonna get made into episodes and I haven't decided which one I'm gonna flush out and finish for my next one. So it's I'm gonna cool. let it be a surprise here. They're both cool though. Alright, cool. Um one is more i I will give you a hint one is more ancient history like even it's probably if i do one of them well i'm gonna do it uh but if this is the next episode it's probably the most ancient thing that we have discussed yet on this show
0: does it deal with egypt
1: uh a little bit not specifically but egypt is involved and it's okay. not it's not the old it's not like super duper old but of the topics we've discussed it would be our our furthest back that we've gone, nice. um, and then the other is a much more modern um, Australian story from okay. the nineteen forties. Excellent. So both very different, both very interesting. One's a little more true crimey, and one is a little more like whoa crazy. Yep. Cool. Yeah.
0: All right, excellent. So we've got that to look forward to.
1: Yeah, so listen to our playlist. uh, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, honestly, if you guys have ideas for music like you'd like us to listen to and see if we want to put on the show, let us know because we're always down to check out new stuff. Uh, Thank you so much, as always, for listening and for sharing and for being just good doobies. Uh, We appreciate you very much, and I -hmm. I hope that we get that across as often as possible because – yeah i think 2023 is going to be a fun ass year to do this show and yep. uh we're excited we're glad the you left still... in red. i know and it's crazy that we're in our third year now of making this or oh, yeah. well, third calendar year soon to be in our third functional year yeah of making the show which is fucking bananas so yeah you know keep telling people and keep listening and uh do twitter stuff because evan loves that and mm-hmm. uh we'll see you guys next week
0: alright yeah yep uh, thank you and uh, see you later